Hey, you guys. Opa! <laughs> so good to see you. Wow. Thanks for not just uh, uh, inviting me here, but making me feel welcome. There's a big difference, isn't there? Ever gotten invited somewhere you weren't welcome? Like, we're so glad you're here. <laughs> That's just Tuesday for me. I, but, but there's something about this called the aroma of Christ. I got to be out in front and see you coming in. And from what I've been reading, we get to spend forever together. And so isn't this great that we get to just start right now? Yeah, they go, and it's hard sometimes. The world is full of some really difficult people. Have you noticed? Here's the crazy part. You're among them. <laughs> this ain't a church service. It's an intervention. I'm among them. And so what we're trying to figure out is how do we do this thing that Paul kept talking about? I keep doing the things I don't want to do, and then I don't do the things I do want to do, and what am I going to do? <laughs> and I think what we do is we gather together. We point towards Jesus. I know you've had this uh, uh, great series uh, that Jesus is for your dignity. I heard Mark's sermon, uh, and he just crushed it. You're so lucky to have this staff here, and Travis, his words over us. Like, what I want us to do is to be a family of God that isn't here just to be entertained, but to participate, to say, like, what's our next bold move? And we gotta figure out why we're doing what we're doing. If you're feeling a little on edge tonight, here, snap your fingers if you're feeling a little uptight, a little stressed out. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, so what are you gonna do? I, 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 I wear the stupid Red Sox hat. I'm not a Red Sox fan. Never even gone to a baseball game. <laughs> we evidently have a major league team in San Diego. Who would know? But my neighbor, Carol, was a huge Red Sox fan. Uh, and uh, she, we knew she was going to be in heaven by the end of the week. And so we made a deal. I said, Carol, I'll wear your Red Sox hat for the rest of my life and represent the Red Sox here on earth. But in exchange, every time Jesus walks by you, you need to mention my name. <laughs> There's a verse in Mark that said, I knew you not. I'm like, Carol! You know, it's crazy, I'll fly to New York and I'm going through JFK and uh, people are hissing at me at the airport because they're evidently rooting for the Yankees. And <laughs> if they knew I was wearing my dead neighbor's hat, they'd feel so bad. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> maybe not in New York, but, but you get the idea. <laughs> Sue me. But, but what I want to do, what I want to do is to ask, well, is there more to the story? Because there's more to the story than this. And the story is this. Jesus is for your restoration. There's a reason behind why the things that have happened. There's a reason he made you the way that you are. He's for your restoration. And some of you guys are trying to be a better version of you. You're trying to do a remodel. And the path of faith is this. It's a teardown. He wants to restore us, not by tearing you down and making you low, but to raise him high. And if we figure out that, then we can find out the little quirky picadillos that are us and figure out why we do what we do. I'm an Enneagram 7. If you guys are uh, no personality, I'm just a flaming 7. This is what my mind looks like every single day. This is what it looks like when I'm asleep. It's just like, ah, oh, 
What I want us to do is to figure out why is that? The thing that's keeping us from being restored is that we're distracted constantly. I'm like that dog and up. I'm like, squirrel. <laughs> and God can't do the important work of restoration if we're distracted by what he's doing in everybody else's life. Sometimes I think that God is doing the same thing in your life that he's doing in my life right now. And the simple fact is he isn't. And so what we need to do is tend to our own fires. That's not just a good doctrine. That's great theology. Just to say, what has God given me to do? And to do a bunch of that. But we get distracted. I married a sweet Maria Goff, 35 and a half years. And this woman is yet to raise her voice or say a crossword to me. And it's a target-rich environment. <laughs> She's got every reason, too. Uh, and, and we couldn't be more different. I'm like Tigger. I'm like, people! Uh, she's got what's called severe social anxiety. She thinks having me in the room is a lot of people. <laughs> but John 17, uh, this idea of restoring this relationship, Jesus talked to his dad. We got to put a glass up against the wall and hear what he said. He said, Father, my prayer is that they would be one. But what I'm learning with sweet Maria is that oneness doesn't mean sameness. Keep your eyes on your own paper. What is he doing in your life? If he wants to restore your life, if your mind is doing what mine is doing all the time, it's hard to get our attention. What he wants to do is make the big things the big things and the small things the small things. I, I brought this to kind of illustrate. Uh, this is not COVID. <laughs> Don't get one of these in your nose. I, <laughs> I have... Uh, Marie and I got married, and then we, we, we got a little thrashed apartment, and we were doing something to do with life, and we got in an argument, totally her fault. And, <laughs> and it started out really small, and then all of a sudden, it got really big. <laughs> you guys know what that's like. Yeah, we've, we've learned this version, it's called catastrophizing. Like we, we started out with something small and it just became big. Here's another thing that gets in the way of our restoration is we take things that are really big like your faith and what God wants for it and we make it really small because we don't want to like let ourselves down. We've gotten burned a couple times and what Jesus says is I want to make it right. I want to restore that thing. Have you ever seen somebody taking a picture of someone else and the person taking the picture smiling? There's a ton of theology behind it, but when God sees you, like, he doesn't see your screw-ups. Man, if screw-ups were push-ups, I'd be totally ripped, but, <laughs> but he sees Jesus. Get that picture in your mind, and you're on your way to restoration, but we got to know what we want. There, there's a great definition of faith in Hebrews 11.1, 1, and it says this, faith is confidence in what we're hoping for and assurance of what we haven't seen yet. I know, I'm telling you, I knew what I wanted in junior high school. I wanted a date in the worst way. Seemed to be happening to a couple of my friends, never happened to me. I asked plenty of times, no takers. Well, I rolled into high school, I still had the same ambition, I wanted a date, nothing. Four years of high school, I had to repeat a grade. Like, it's, <laughs> I squeezed four years of college into five. 
I had the same, I just wanted a date. I mean, with a face like this, I mean, like, I get it, but like, darn it. I knew what I wanted. I had hoped for something I hadn't seen yet. I'm in my second year of law school, and Marie walks in the room. And guys, you know when you see the girl of your dreams, you're like, yes, you will be mine. <laughs> She's been in the room for three minutes. I'm picking out names for our kids. <laughs> we're going to make them, and we're going to name them. And I asked her out on a date, and she said no, too. But I knew where she was going to be that weekend. There was a Young Life camp. And she was going to be taking high school girls up there to be the work crew. And she was going to be the work crew boss. So I decided to get adjacent to her. I got 10 high school guys, and I was going to be the guy's work crew boss. The first night of camp, an elderly woman, her pacemaker stops. She face plants in the spaghetti. She's gone. I go to Jesus. Out of here. But I knew how to do CPR. We got her on the floor. I am pushing on her chest. I am blowing into her wrinkled lips. It was not the first kiss I was hoping for. <laughs> and she lived. And like, full Lazarus. And Maria thought, this guy is not much to look at, but he could be useful in a pinch. <laughs> I knew what I was hoping for. I had assurance of what I hadn't seen. If God is going to reconstruct something in you, if, he's, if he is for you being a new creation, I tell you he is. He is looking at you all smiles because God sees Jesus. And that's this idea when you're invited into a relationship. It isn't this big cryptic thing. It's like uh, there's a verse in Song of Songs, chapter 2. Not that verse. That's an awesome verse. There's another verse. And it says this, my beloved is mine and I am his. It isn't a big magical prayer. It says, if you guys came for the pizza tonight, like, there's none. Like, it, it isn't free. But, but if you came to encounter Jesus, what I think you need to do is figure out what, what all of us have to figure out. Like, what's my relationship with God? I can't reconstruct this thing if I don't figure out what it is. I was reading Cosmopolitan. Don't judge me. Uh, <laughs> And, and, and there's a, uh, there was an article, and this is what it said. How you'll know someone's really into you. I mean, you come to church, you should walk away with some tools, right? Okay. <laughs> For all of you people from Grand Canyon University, listen up. Here's how you touch. Number one, their pupils are dilated. People, that's someone on drugs, all right? <laughs> no, number two, their eyebrows are raised. <laughs> Raise your eyebrows. You're putting out the vibe, guys. All right, number three, they lick their lips. Here, look surprised. Now lick your lips. <laughs> Ladies, if anyone does that to you, run. Uh, number four, uh, they, they, number four they, they put their hands on their hips. And number five, they rub their neck. Uh, people, if somebody looks surprised, like... That is not how you know. This is the question I think most of us have. It's this. How are you going to know God's really into you? Because we are not going to know that Jesus is for this reconstruction, this new version of us, if we don't know the answer to that, that God is really into you. And here's how you'll know. It's just Jesus. That's it. You don't have to look surprised anymore. You don't have to look your lips. It's just Jesus. God is for you. And here's how much time you have to figure it out. 27,373 days. I'm 63. I've been counting. 
You'll get a few more days if you eat broccoli and a few less if you eat Pop-Tarts. You know who you are. <laughs> you can express that a different way. It's essentially, it's 4,000 weeks that you get. 4,000 weeks to figure it out. And I, I had a friend, well, former friend, like color in the number of weeks that are already in the rearview mirror. And I'm like, dang. We've got this little period of time to figure this out. And if, and if Jesus is for our restoration, we need to know how much time is left on the shot clock. And the, the truth is we don't know how much time is the shot clock, so we can figure out what do you want. And for an Enneagram 7, what I want is to be happy. I was actually going through Texas uh, and it is a quite a big state. We went by this off-ramp. There's a city, and the name of the city is Happy. <laughs> These are my people. <laughs> I thought, this is going to be awesome. We're going to go there and talk. And I, 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 I tried to figure out. I got obsessed with the names of city. Do you know you have a city in Arizona, and the name of the city is Why? <laughs> people like <laughs> and, and it's 852 miles is a long way to happy but but you can get there in 784 miles take a shortcut here's the shortcut know this that Jesus is into you he is for your restoration and if we can figure out that now we got a, a way to move forward but we got to do a little bit of dwelling around to figure out why do we do what we do. Uh, uh, let me ask you this. Do you think I'm a really insecure guy? No. Like, I don't come across you guys. Let me just tell you, I'm super insecure. I didn't just used to be. I am right now. Is that crazy? Be like, happy dude? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we used to call these uh, Russian nesting dolls. They are now Ukrainian nesting dolls. I, <laughs> yeah, in your face. Like, <laughs> what, what I did when I was really young, I, I, some stuff happened, things happened to you as well. I made up a story to understand a life that I didn't have the emotional tools to deal with. The story that I made up was that everyone's gonna leave me. I will be left all alone. It wasn't a true story, but it felt like a true story. And then once you have a story, then you make up rules to support the story. The rule I made up, uh, don't go deep with anybody. Can you relate to that? Maybe you have a story that uh, people are not to be trusted. Maybe, this, maybe you got your heart broken and you say, I'm just never going deep with anyone else. You make up a rule like that and now you're 20 or 30 and you don't have any deep relationships. And so what we want to do is to figure this out. This is happy Bob. Like you'd like Santa, like everything's great. But what I did is the important work of figuring out like what's underneath that? That there's actually some death, there's some, a little bit of pain, a lot of confusion. There was a father in Mark 9, and he said, I, I, I believe, just help my disbelief. And I thought when you come to Christ, you're supposed to just believe everything and say, I'm in. I'm certain about it. And I realized that there's a bunch I'm not certain about. But I was willing to be surrounded by some people that helped me figure out that that's okay. That God is still smiling at me. And what I did is I took it a little bit further. I found some safe people. And people, we get to be safe people. 
We don't have to be pointing bony fingers at people. You don't have to have all the answers. Did you know in three years of public ministry, Jesus asked 307 questions and he only answered three? Is that crazy? The first one was from a lawyer like me who was trying to set him up. He said, what's the biggest commandment? And he said, love God with your heart and your soul and your mind. And the second one is to love the people around you. Love your neighbor. The second answer that Jesus said, that somebody asked him, will you teach us how to pray? And he said, yes, I will. Our Father, and you know how the rest goes. The third one, he was in front of Pilate. And he said, I hear you're the king of the Jews. Is that true? And he said, yes, I am. I'm telling you, what I want us to do, part of this following Jesus is taking all of this to him. But we can't get restored if we don't know what's the thing underneath the thing. We gotta figure out what are all these pieces and to bring it to him. Here you have a God that says, don't be anxious for anything. You don't have to be doing this all the time. But, 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 but with prayer, make these requests known to God. But this is a God that says, I know before you ask. I think the idea is make it known to yourself. What's going on? And what keeps us away is all the distraction of what's going around us. So we won't think about what's going on within us. These pieces, so Jesus is for your restoration. What he wants you to do is to just get real about the stuff, even though it's painful, and you don't have to have a bunch of answers. And if somebody asks you, if you don't have the answer, just say, I bet that hurts a lot. I'm telling you, well, one time what we do is we start kind of being a chameleon. We were around the people, however they're acting, we start acting. I spend a lot of time, if you know any of my books, at Disneyland. I love that place. I'm about an hour away, and I hang out at Tom Sawyer Hour, Wednesdays from 10 to 2. See you there. Uh, and my favorite place, I don't go on the rides, but I love going by the log ride uh, because it takes pictures of the people that are going down it. Check out this picture. <laughs> oh, she is not having it. She's like, whatever. And maybe you're surrounded by some people that are just saying whatever, and then you're tempted to start cloning that and saying like whatever in the same way to gain acceptance and all that. And what I want to do is for you to know that Jesus is for your restoration, and we don't need to be like everybody else. Here's the idea. Don't let other people decide who you are. Jesus is the one that's named you. He calls you. You know what he calls you? He calls you beloved. And on your very worst day, with your biggest screw-up, if you haven't heard the word beloved spoken over your shoulder, it ain't Jesus talking. He calls you beloved. Don't let the cynics, at least the new version of cynics, get you. I say a new version because there was an old version of cynics. The cynics actually, at the beginning, were awesome. The guy leading the whole thing was a guy named Diosthenes. Diosthenes lived in a water jar. It was a big water jar, probably like the first condo. Uh, he lived there. He walked through Athens every day with a lamp that was lit. And people said, why are you walking through Athens at high noon with a lamp that's lit? You know what Diosthenes said? I'm looking for virtue. One of the things that we can bring is to start looking for the virtue in other people, seeing how God is doing things in their life. And what we want to do is just you know, start like, focusing on that and not all the distractions. I promise you this, darkness does not want to destroy you. Destroy you is one and done. Distraction, 
That's the gift that'll just keep taking. Because if you're distracted, he'll be distracted and she'll be distracted. And it'll just metastasize in the worst way. Jesus is for your restoration. But we need to believe that not only is he for us, that he's, God sees his son in us, but we need to stop asking for permission to do everything that we already have permission to do. Uh, I have a friend who uh, grew up in East Texas in a little town, and he got an old guitar. You know those stories that start out for the $3 guitar. And he started, he joined some country western bands when he was in, in his 20s. And then he met this rising star. Her name was Carrie Underwood. <laughs> and he became her lead guitarist. His name is Ed Eason, and Ed's been going around the world just melting everybody's face with his guitar for the last 20 years years, and he's a, he's a guy that loves Jesus, as does Carrie, and uh, they were pulling through San Diego, uh, and, and Ed called up, and he said, do you want a ticket to the show? I'm like, yes, because uh, I couldn't afford one of those, and it sold out anyway, and so he left one at Will Call for me, and I, I got there. There's an envelope. It says Bob on it. I felt like Willy Wonka. I'm like, yes, and so I go inside and I instinctively start climbing the stairs to the nosebleed section. And when I get to the top, the guy with the flashlight looks at it and he says, oh, you're in the wrong place. And I'm thinking the next stop's the roof. And he said, no, 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 this thing will get you onto the main floor. I'm like, are you kidding me? And so I'm running down the stairs like a 14-year-old and I get to the main floor with my ticket and the guy looks at it and he says, you're in the wrong section. I'm like, darn it. I was thinking, like, I didn't want to go to the top, but I could get my steps in. Uh, and he, he said, no, no, no. This ticket will get you into the mosh pit. I'm like, not sure what that is. <laughs> like, Jesus, take the wheel, right? So, so I go to the mosh pit, and, and everybody's moshing it up. And I got everybody by 15 years. And I give my ticket, and, and the two guys are there, and they look at the ticket, and they talk to each other. They look again, and they say, do you know what you have? I'm like, no. He said, this is an all-access pass. You can go anywhere with this thing. I thought I'd go to Carrie's bus and make a sandwich. Too much? I want you to know. Jesus is for your restoration, and he's given you an all-access pass. And here's where he did. You know, you need to look for a plan for your life. It's Matthew 25. And he said, I was hungry, and he gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and he gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. I was kind of creepy, but you invited me in. I was sick, and he comforted me. I was naked, and he clothed me. I was in jail, and he came. People, that's it. Hungry people, thirsty people, sick people, strange people, naked people, people in jail. You can never tell if somebody's hungry, but you can always tell if they're naked. <laughs> Get your head on a swivel. God is for your restoration. And he's told you, if you want to meet me, you got to meet them. And if following Jesus doesn't lead me and you to hurting, lonely, isolated people, then we're not following Jesus. We're just being distracted. And I get distraction. It just happens all the time. I uh, decided I've got a, uh, a place, a camp, and we've got some cattle now and some horses and all this, and a Prius just is not gonna pull a, uh, you know, a cow. And so I decided to get a pickup truck. So I went to the Ford dealer, and I just said, like, I wanna pick it. I'll like, take that one. And then I went to the pay window, and they told me how much it was. <laughs> I'm like, oh, heck no! 
And so I got on Craigslist, I bought one with 120,000 miles on it. It's all beat up, it's awesome. And I, I got in, I was feeling kind of manly. I was just like, I got it. I've got the carbon footprint of Delaware. Now, <laughs> I get in the truck and I'm driving home and kind of full of myself. And then I'm not picky about what things smell like, but it smelled like soap. I'm like, what the heck? Like, ooh, Like beef jerky, maybe. Like, you know, nachos, perhaps. But not soap. And so I rolled all the windows down. And I thought I could just blow this out. And so I got home, and the smell was gone. And I went inside. The next morning, I went outside. I was supposed to drive to LA. I was going to marry two people. Well, actually, officiate. You can't marry two people. It's a felony. So, <laughs> so. I was going to officiate. And, and when I opened the door, the car smelled like soap again. I'm like, no. And so I thought, I'm going to cook it out. So I turned the heater all the way to the top. Like, I just sweat it out. Like, all, I pitted out my jacket all three hours up, three hours back. But when I got home, the smell was gone. I went inside. The next morning, I woke up. I went out to the car and opened the door, and it smelled like soap. And like, no, I was so distracted. I don't even remember driving over to the upholstery store. But, but I got there and I just said, like, make it smell like any dead cat, whatever. Like, just make it smell like something else. I threw the credit card in through the window. And I left, four days later, I went back to get my car and I opened up the door and it smelled like dead cow and soap. I'm like, no! And I was thinking how unfair life is as I'm pounding the steering wheel. And I reached up above to get my sunglasses. You know what I pulled out? 25-cent air freshener. <laughs> you guys, I spent $4,000 fixing a 25-cent problem. <laughs> I think what we got to do, if God's going to do the important work of restoration in your life, we got to just not get distracted by the small things. Let's get back to where Jesus is. Hungry people, thirsty people, sick people, strange people, naked people, people in jail. I teach at Pepperdine Law School. Could you imagine me teaching at a top-tier law school? I'm like, everybody passes the bar. You get a car. You get a car. You get a car. But I also teach here. I teach at San Quentin. <laughs> <laughs> the difference between my students at Pepperdine and the ones at San Quentin, these guys don't graduate. <laughs> They're in there for a while. The, uh, the, the, the idea behind this is to if meet Jesus means meeting them. I don't want to like rewrite the code. I just want to just show up where he said he would be. Uh, there was a guy that uh, goes there. He's a good guy. Uh, and he's really good at baseball, actually. And he asked me if I'd come and pitch batting practice. They have in the yard kind of a rudimentary ball field. And I, I'm like, I'm okay. I, I don't have a big arm, but I got a one. And, and so I, I got up on the mound, and I wound up. I threw the ball, and he just crushed it. It was like a jailbreak. I think it's still going. Uh, and so I got another ball. I threw it over the plate, and he crushed that one, too. And then you know what he did? He started crowding the plate. Oh, and that just ticked me off. So I thought to myself, I'm going to brush him back. And so I wound up. I threw the ball as hard as I could. I hit him right in the head. Oh, people, pro tip. Do not hit a guy in the head with a baseball if he's in for life and he's holding the metal bat. <laughs> and so we had a decision to make, he and I. He had to decide if he was going to charge the pro plate and I had to decide if I was going to run away like a nine-year-old girl, and I decided I was. 
But you know what we did instead? Is we had a conversation. What we did is we talked about this. He said, what was going on? Like, why did you throw the ball and hit me? I'm like, why did you crowd the plate? <laughs> Have conversations. Talk to each other, not about each other. God is for your restoration. And the way it's going to happen is these conversations. Figure out what are all the small pieces. And to say, this is what was going on. It felt like this challenge for some reason. Take a genuine interest in the people around you. Figure out why they're doing what they're doing. And you're on your way. And if we want to be restored, we have to say, what are some of the family generational things that have gone on? in your life. Uh, this is my great-great-grandfather. Uh, I guess he was a great-grandfather. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but he was definitely an unlucky guy. He was, got hit by a train. They put him in a wheelbarrow and put him on the porch of the house. This is all I'd learned about his life. I didn't know anything else, but it just ended suddenly and dramatically. Yeah, I was a lawyer for 32 years, and uh, there was this... Uh, guy who was pretty crooked, and uh, he uh, uh, stole millions of dollars, changed his name, and disappeared. He just ghosted. He just like went missing. But I'm a pretty good lawyer, and I found him. Uh, and I sent him an invitation. It's called a subpoena. And <laughs> let's talk. So, <laughs> so we sat down in his deposition because he knew he was a sneaky guy. I, I started climbing around on the family tree a little bit. I wanted to know who begat whom. Uh, and and he, he started getting a little higher in the tree and he started talking about this family member and that. The, the name started sounding weirdly familiar. You guys, this guy's my cousin. <laughs> family reunions are a little awkward. Well... When the deposition was over, I said, hey, could we go? Tell me where my great-great-grandfather is so I can pay my respect. You know, the one that got hit by the train. And he said, he didn't get hit by a train. He ran out on the family. They made up that story. That they came up with that to explain this. That there was a thing. Maybe you've come up as a story. Let God restore you. Bring that story to him to say, can you help me write a better story? over the one, a truer story. Well, one, if faith guides your steps, one that squares with the scriptures. Galatians 1, 6, if even an angel of heaven comes down and gives you a different gospel, just run away. And we're not gonna restore ourselves if we don't take an interest in other people. That's the crazy thing. It's not to be a better version of you, but to be a more accurate reflection of Christ. And you gotta do what Paul said about Timothy. It's Philippians 2.20. He said, I don't have anybody like Timothy. He's a guy who takes a genuine interest in the people around him. Man, I will let that be said of us. As a body of believers, I don't want people to meet my opinions. I want them to meet Jesus. And the only way they're going to meet Jesus is if you cut through the distraction of who they are and some of the really odd behaviors and take an interest in them. Like to say, I wonder what's going on to make that happen. And you might have to work on your poker face a little bit. But there's something beautiful because when we see them for the way God sees them, we'll start seeing ourselves for the way God sees us. This happened about three years ago outside of Detroit. There was a young man up on top of a bridge. I think something similar happened not far from here. And it looked like he was gonna jump. 
there was a trucker going down the highway and he saw what was happening, figured it out and saw that this kid was gonna make an irreversible decision. And I'm sure this trucker had places to go, but he got on the radio instead. And he called every trucker going in his direction, said what was happening and where it was happening. He called every truck going in the opposite direction and told them the same thing. And this is what happened next. They all stopped. That's what it looks like to take a genuine interest in someone else's welfare. And I think if we do that in a, a strange but predictable way, we're gonna figure out more about who God made us to be. But we gotta rewrite the script, and it's gonna take a little bit of work to get there. It's not gonna be easy. I'm gonna read you five short poems. I didn't write it, but it kind of illustrates the idea. Here's the first one. I, I walk down the street, there's a hole in the sidewalk. I fall in, I'm lost, I'm helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find my way out. Here's the second poem. I walk down the same street, there's a hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it, I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It takes a really long time to get out. Here's the third one at five. I walk down the same street, there's a hole in the sidewalk. I see it there, I fall in again, it's a habit. My eyes are open, I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Here's four or five. I walk down the same street, there's a hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Here's five or five. I walk down a different street. Can you see where we're going? Jesus is for your restoration. And that might mean you taking a different street to get there. And the way we get there is through obedience. It's crazy. It's just truth and obedience will get us there every time. I have a friend named Bill, and Bill got a bad diagnosis. He was diagnosed with cancer, and it was gonna be a bad one. So I flew down to Texas when he was gonna meet with the doctor and hear the word. And I got down there, and as on the way there, I'm reading through the scriptures, and in James 5, it says, are you sick? Call the elders and have them anoint you with oil. And people, this is so far outside my faith tradition. <laughs> like, but I figured I'm older than dirt, so I'd certainly be an elder. Uh, and so I, I flew down and I thought, well, I'm gonna go to the grocery store, I'll get some Wesson and hook them up. Uh, I wanted to be obedient to it, but here's the problem. There's no grocery stores by MD Anderson, but there was a Burger King. And I explained to the guy at the fry machine, that I had a friend in there, and I read James 5, and it said, anoint him in oil. I asked him if he could hook me up with a, a cup out of the fry machine. And so he had some cold stuff. We put it in a jar, and I walked through the lobby of MD Anderson, looking like I'm holding my own urine sample. And, <laughs> and that guy went into the MRI, smelled like a bag of French fries. This is what it looks like to take a genuine interest, to be misunderstood. I, I, they killed Jesus, what's a bad day for you? What I want us to do is not get distracted by what everybody's opinion about this thing is, but to say God is for my restoration. And the way we get there is just some obedience, and it'll be, it'll be awkward, it'll be strange, but God is doing something in your life and something in my life that's really really big. I just don't want to get in the way of it. So I want you to leave here not agreeing, but to say, what's my next courageous move? Because God doesn't want anybody to just agree with him. 
He said, so what am I gonna do? And here's the crazy part. Jesus doesn't need your help. I asked him before he came out. <laughs> what he wants is your heart. Let me pray for you guys. Jesus, you've been eavesdropping on this service. You've been eavesdropping on our heart. You know everything we've thought, everything we've done, and yet you see us because you see your son and you're smiling. Please give us the guts and the grit to not just agree with this stuff, but to do it and to know that you are for our restoration. We know what we want, we know why we want it, and we're figuring out what we're gonna do about it. In your strong name, amen. Thanks, you guys.